Hi, everyone. Welcome back to That on Paper podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. I am so excited about today's book club. We are talking about Ghosts by Dolly Alderton. Grace, I don't think I've ever written down so many notes for a book before. Yeah, there was a lot. I feel like there's just so much to talk about between the friendships, the romantic relationship, Nina as a character. There's just, I feel like there's a lot to say, and this book made me have a lot of feelings. I still, I, I read it twice. I still don't know how I feel about it, but I got a, I got a lot to unpack. Oh, I loved it. Should we do some highs and lows before we get into the book talk? Yes. What was your high? My high this week was I was just in LA. I literally just got back last night, so I'm coming in hot. But I um, surprised Jeff with a little mini, like, vac- I guess, vacation for me, staycation for him at Shutters, which is the most magical place in the world. We had the- it looked incredible. We had the best time. Like it feel it feels it felt almost like being on Cape Cod. He was so surprised, and we just had the greatest time. Like we got massages, we drank wine, we ate a seafood tower, we went for walks on the beach, we got room service, like we were, we went out to two nice meals, one just us and one with a bunch of his friends. Um and then the last night we went and had dinner with his family, but it was just a great little birthday celebration and I had so much fun. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. It looked incredible. I have never stayed there or been there, but it looked the hotel looked so great, like the property. I highly recommend it. It's just beautiful. Like we had an ocean view room, so like we'd leave the doors open at night to sleep and just hear the waves. It was Oh, I love that. Yeah, it was a real treat. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. What about you? I have a few. I mean, my couch got delivered last week. It fit inside like barely. The delivery guy complimented me on my measuring, which I deserve no credit for whatsoever. But he's like, you measured. And I was like, yeah, I did. I was like, could have just as easily gone the other way. Yeah. I'm obsessed with my couch. Spoiler, it's also my obsession. I don't know what I've been doing my whole life not having this couch. It's the uh, Crate and Barrel lounge sofa. I'm just like in a whole world of comfort. So that's been really exciting. Oh, and then last Tuesday, I guess it was, I went to go see so Spencer Sutherland, who is the actor-singer who played Lincoln in Vote for Love, had a concert in Brooklyn, and I went with three girlfriends, and it was so fun. First of all, just because he's really, really talented, but I also haven't been to a concert since the before times, so I, it was really fun. I went to my first concert the yacht rock thing that I told yeah, I talked yeah. about. It was just so nice. Was yours outside or inside? It was inside. Okay. It was just so nice to be like in that setting after a, like all of the the past like two years. Yeah, like to have group crowd energy. I also um, have been buying a ton of Broadway tickets, um, and I also bought tickets to the Nutcracker in December. Like I'm very into just like live things right now. I guess. I don't know. It's just making my heart so happy to like have these communal experiences. I love that. Yeah. So what about on the low front? Well, there's two things. I just feel like I'm just very busy with work right now. And I just feel like if I had three more hours in every day, I would be so much more effective. I just wish I could be one of those people who only needed five hours of sleep because I would be I would be able to do it all. Like I would be fine. I'd be able to do my workouts. I'd be able to, you know, see my friends and a lot of the socializing I do is work related. Like yes, it's fun, but like, you know, tonight I have a work dinner and like 
I would, would rather not go to it, but I'm, I'm going because it's important relationships. I think, you know, oftentimes when someone, you see someone out all the time, it looks very fun and it is, but it's also maintaining these professional relationships that are really important for my work. So I just feel that if I had three more hours in every day, I could get everything done and I would be just so much more productive. I was out with um, one of the people who came to the concert with me was our friend Lydia, who is one of those people who only needs five hours of sleep and is like the energizer bunny. And she just like pops out of bed every morning at 5 a.m. and is like raring to go. And I'm like, wow, if my life was like that, it would be, I would be invincible. Yes. And I will tell you since training and like eating more protein and all of that stuff, like I do feel better, but I will always need like eight, ideally nine hours of sleep a night. I'm just feeling it. I'm going to work most of this weekend and I'll get caught back up. And, you know, this goes back to priorities. Like at the beginning of the year, I was like, my number one priority is my family and making time for a romantic relationship. And I did those things. And therefore looking at priorities, it makes sense to take three days off during a really busy time of work to spend time for my boyfriend's birthday. But I am spinning right now. And then the other thing is, this is a funnier, I mean, they're all silly lows. Like my life is fine. But um, I will just tell you everything that could go wrong seems to be going wrong since I got home. I told you a little of this before we started recording. I woke up so jet lagged. I had chairs on my outdoor chairs were supposed to be delivered. I'm so excited for them. Now we'll see what, if they ever, if I ever get them. And they were supposed to come between nine and one and I overslept, but they usually I get it, but like seven 30 or eight, but they came at eight 40 instead of nine and I missed the delivery. And why couldn't they just leave it with your front desk of your building? I don't know. They're big and they require going on a loading dock. Oh yeah. So they were like, sorry, we'll call you in 24 to 48 hours to reschedule. So then I um, I get myself out of bed and I go to make a coffee and my new Nespresso maker, which I was just dealing with a broken coffee maker, just shit the bed. Like it, oh. So I was like, I have no coffee. I have like my, these are all like such first world I problems. Feel like to, I feel like to me, having a broken coffee maker is the ultimate insult. It's like, this is the last thing you ever want to have broken because you're like, no, I like, but I need this to be human and like you can't be broken. Yes. And then, you know, work's been going well and I buy myself little presents as my, as rewards because, you know, when you're self-employed, you don't get bonuses. So I had bought myself these beautiful earrings as like my little like November holiday bonus for hitting a goal and they showed up broken. (laughs) Oh, so it's like these are such stupid things, but I was like, this day just kind of sucks. It's just the little things piling up sometimes where you're like, why me? Yeah, and I mean, it's only one o'clock, the day's gonna get better, but I'm like, oh, that um, sucks. I'm sorry. And I think things just feel worse when you're tired. Like, my body like got on LA time real fast, and like 9 a.m. felt like 6 a.m. today. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Nothing new. I'm just still struggling with the same things. I was talking to, uh, we went out to drinks and apps before the concert earlier this week. And I was, I was talking to a a few of my friends and I was just like, I feel like I have, I feel like I have like five plates spinning right now across all the things I'm doing professionally. And just like everything has a problem. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know. So I'm just feeling overwhelmed and uncertain everything's fine. I'm being, I'm not being dramatic, but like 
everything will work out. It's just, I wish things were easier. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) So yeah, just kind of like bogged down in that. Like, I think it's going to be a a few months of slogging through it. Yeah. So Yeah. yeah. Should we get into this book though? Yes. So this book is very hard to summarize. There is so much that makes it great. And I think we both agree that like it has just this astute character observation as well as it's very funny and clever at times. But we're going to we're going to try and summarize it all. I think there's a, there's a lot to get into. Yeah, I felt like we had to stick to our format, but I was uh, I was struggling to write the summary. So the book follows Nina Dean, who is a 32-year-old food writer living in London, and she spent the past two years single after getting out of a seven-year long-term relationship, and she's recently decided that she's ready to date seriously again. So on the night of her birthday, she downloads a dating app called Lynx and tells us that this is the start of the strangest year she's ever had. So after three eye-opening weeks swiping on the apps, she has her first app date in person with a man named Max. And after drinks, turns to dancing, turns to late-night french fries and making out in the street, Max tells Nina that he's going to marry her one day. And they part ways, and Nina knows this is the best date that she's ever been on. So Nina and Max start dating, and it's wonderful. He exists as a distraction from all the things in her life that are not going quite as well. Her publisher doesn't like the concepts for her third book. Her father has advancing dementia. Her mom is going through some kind of weird midlife crisis and is changing her name from Nancy to Mandy, and her relationship with her oldest friend, Catherine, has become increasingly strained in recent years since Catherine has had her first child. She now has another on the way and has announced that she is moving out of the city. So Nina and Max are dating, and everything's going well, and the day after they say, I love you to each other, he ghosts her. And after weeks without hearing from him, Nina and Lola, who's her other best friend, initially think that maybe Max has died. And so they set out to find him online, only to realize that he has no digital footprint. But they do discover that he's not in Nina's dating app messages anymore, meaning he either deleted the app or he unmatched her. Over the next few months, Nina's rough year continues. Her dad's memory is continuing to deteriorate. There's an incident where he even goes missing and is found at his mother's old house. He's looking for her even though she died 20 years ago. She's also in a standoff with her neighbor over noise levels at their apartment. And on one of her worst days, Nina has gone to her dad's birthday, where at one point he doesn't recognize her. She's then on to dinner with Catherine, who remarks on all the drama in Nina's life lately, which ends up causing a massive blow-up where the two friends are spilling every pent-up grievance they've ever had with each other over the past few years. That night, Nina gets home and finds Max on her doorstep after just disappearing for five months. So she's obviously furious with Max and demands that he explains himself. He tells her that he got scared and overwhelmed by their relationship, and she tells him off. And in the heat of the moment, they end up sleeping together after their fight. And afterwards, Nina finds out that while they were apart, Max had started a new relationship with a much younger woman. Despite all the very obvious red flags, I usually try to keep our POV out of the summary, but like I couldn't help it here. Nina and Max get back together. But understandably, she doesn't fully trust him. And after they date for a little while, they go on a weekend away. And when they get back, Max ghosts her again. And this time, Nina is not really surprised. Through all of this, Nina is missing and mourning Catherine, who she's still not talking to after their fight. 
One night after Max has left, Catherine shows up drunk at Nina's house. She breaks down how much she is struggling with both her marriage and motherhood, and the two friends make up. Meanwhile, Nina's other best friend, Lola, who is perpetually single and treats dating with the seriousness of a second job, has found a serious new boyfriend. Things are moving quickly, and they're almost immediately talking about moving in together until Lola's boyfriend dumps her out of the blue, saying the relationship just became too much, too fast for him, even though he was the one instigating the seriousness. So Lola and Nina are both kind of dealing with these uh, breakups or breakdowns of their romantic relationships. And despite her breakup, Lola remains hopeful and Nina doesn't. And as they discuss them, there's this really poignant moment where Lola offers to take Nina's hope for a while and guard it until Nina is ready to take it back. And the ending's a bit ambiguous. Lola shares a story about another single acquaintance who had a terrible breakup, and both women kind of take solace in the fact that their heartbreak will never be as bad as this other woman's that they don't know. And then we get a quick fast forward. Nina wakes up on her 33rd birthday. For her birthday, she's hosting a picnic with her parents and her best friends, and we get the sense that she's content and not really trying to predict what the future will hold for this year. So that is our book summary. Okay, so let's take one quick ad break. The holidays and the new year are right around the corner, and you can help your loved ones get closer to achieving their health and wellness goals with an Everly Well at-home lab test. So if you're not familiar with Everly Well, they offer affordable at-home lab tests that give you trusted, physician-reviewed results. So you can choose from tests including food sensitivity, that's what I got, the metabolism test, sleep and stress, thyroid, and so many more. And here's how it works. It's really, really easy and straightforward. So what happens is Everly Well will ship you your test straight to your door with everything needed for a simple sample collection. You will then return the test to a CLIA-certified lab with a prepaid shipping label. Then your physician-reviewed results and insights are sent to your device in just days. Over 1 million people have trusted Everly Well with their at-home lab testing. Me included. I took the food sensitivity test, and I thought it was just really interesting. I've always had a sensitive stomach, and so it was just great to get a better understanding of which foods I should avoid. This holiday, give more of what matters with an Everly Well at-home lab test. For our listeners, Everly Well is offering a very special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash BOP. That's everlywell.com slash BOP for 20% off your at-home lab test. Everlywell.com slash BOP. All right, let's get into this book discussion. The first question I had, one thing that was really tripping me up about this book is that it was marketed as a rom-com. Did you feel like that was accurate? No, I don't really like rom-coms. Like, I felt that it was, what would I call it? Like, more contemporary fiction? Yeah, I felt that... I guess it was kind of more, like, general, like, women's fiction or something, which is also a term that I kind of dislike. I don't know what I would call it, because it was very funny, but in a more clever way. Like, it wasn't, like... I don't know. Sometimes it wasn't, like, cheesy. It was very... It was funny in a clever way. It was, but it also wasn't – I think of a rom-com as usually having a happy ending, definitely. And it was really – I thought the ending was happy. She got away from no, him. No. Oh, my God. I thought the – I was happy. We'll talk more about the ending, but it, it certainly wasn't a happy ending for her. It, I certainly didn't want her to end up with him, but, like, I don't know. It, it was just really funny to me because the inside jacket copy – So I I wrote it down. So it said, a smart, sexy, laugh-out-loud romantic comedy about ex-boyfriends, imperfect parents, friends with kids, and a man who disappears the moment he says, I love you. 
And none of that is untrue, but that makes it sound like a completely different book to me than it was. I would definitely agree with you there. I'm going to leave my opinions of the ending out until we talk about that. I I thought it was more like contemporary fiction. I enjoyed it more than I would have enjoyed it if it was more of like a romantic type of book. Like I found myself, I just thought it was so sharply observed. I thought it was so clever. I think that rom-com is like, it's it's it, it makes the book seem so much more simpler than I totally it is. I totally agree with that. Yeah, like I think that usually a rom-com is, is more... I guess rom-com is a marriage of, like, character and plot, but I definitely felt that this was a character book more than a plot book. Like, especially when I I listened to it the second time, but when I took in the book for a second time, like, a lot of it is just, like, she lays out circumstances at the beginning and, like, things move a little, but, like, it's not a – it wasn't a super plotty book. Like, it's more about the characters. Yes. And I, I don't know. I just – I don't think a rom-com is right. I agree with you. Maybe contemporary fiction. But I just felt like I was like, oh, something about this just feels off to me. Mm -hmm. The reason I read it was because so many people, I guess it came out probably in October. And on my, I do my Instagram like monthly reading roundup. And I always ask people what was the best book they read that month. And so many people said ghosts. And so I just, I picked it up without reading that. But like, I wonder how that would have affected my experience if I like read the jacket copy and that's what I was expecting and then like got the book that it was. Yeah. Yes. I felt also that it wasn't real ghosting. Like it was more of a slow fade, but I feel like he didn't totally just abandon her, but we'll talk about that too when we talk about ghosting stories. I think, I mean, I think my favorite thing about this book was just how astutely observed it was. Like I said, I've said multiple times, like, I feel like this is just the best book I've ever read on modern dating. And, like, I don't know if this is how it is in other places, but, like, living in a city, I guess, like, London and New York, like, it felt it felt just, like, so real in terms of the characters' experiences with dating and, like, who their friends were. I, it just felt, I was like, oh, yeah, I know these people. Yes, I agree. So And much. I feel like dating in books is usually like way oversimplified and like obviously it's always like much rosier than I think the experience can be of like being on dating apps yes I would agree with that too I don't know how did you feel about like did you feel like the the ghosting part was realistic it's obviously extreme but I honestly felt like it was realistic it was a little extreme I would liken it more to a slow fade like I've been ghosted quite a bit I've also Unfortunately, I'm sad to admit this. I've done my fair share of ghosting or slow fading. I think that it's very realistic, but I mean, for to do that to somebody four months in is like dramatically bad. And like, the day I after had, you say I love you, yes. But I've heard stories like that. Like I, I have a very close friend who went out with a guy who um, on the first on their first date he told her he was going to marry her and the whole thing and then proceeded to make her life a living hell for like only probably like a month and a half but i was just like it's it it just felt so like sharply observed and i felt like max as a character is like so many men i know like i yes. think i put this i put this later in the notes but i feel that 
very strongly that women, at least for me and most of my friends, is like, oh, I'm not going to date until I'm ready and I've worked on me and I'm like this like perfect specimen and like ready. And I'm not saying this is right, but it would be like, I have to work out. I have to get my head in the right place. I have to have my apartment in order. Work has to be going well. And then I'm going to date. And men are like, yeah, my life's a fucking mess and I'm going to get, I'm going to date and I'm going to make somebody miserable because I'm not actually ready. You're Um, not wrong. And I think that that is like New York in a nutshell. Like so many successful, smart, beautiful women who have like done the work on themselves and like are like, I'm I'm ready. I'm going to do it. And then these like men are just like disasters. I think that that's why they end up ghosting because they like get scared or freaked out because they haven't worked on themselves and they are still a mess. And then they're like, oh shit, I can't like get married or like be this partner to somebody. Yeah. Like, when I went through like my really big breakup like eight years ago. I don't think I dated for like a year because I just wanted to work on myself and like get to a place where I felt like good again. Whereas I feel like a man (laughs) would be like, all right, (laughs) like time to like get into a new relationship ASAP. You're totally right. I just, I've never, I've experienced a lot of ghosting and even, even mutual ghosting after like one or two or three dates. Like I feel like there's I've had the experience so many times of going on two really great dates and being like, oh, I really like this person. And then I just ne- – like, and then, you know, at the end of the date, we talk about making plans and never hear from them again. Yes. Um, that is okay, though, I think. I think that if it's been two or three dates, it's almost a little bit condescending to be like, hey, like, I had a really good time, but I'm not feeling a romantic spark. Well, it depends because it depends how the other person feels about – Yes. The relationship. And oh my God, this, this came, this is such a weird comparison. This came at such a weird moment because I was listening to the book. I feel like this book has a lot in common with, have you listened to the new 10 minute version of Taylor Swift all too well? No, I, I am so behind on whatever's going on with Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal. And there's like so many things that are all over social media and I haven't done any research. It's, it's a song. It's, the song is from 10 years ago, and she re-released the Red album. There's a new 10-minute version of All Too Well, which was – it's one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs, and it's about her breakup with Jake Gyllenhaal. And so much of it is about, like, the relationship meaning different things to different people. And, like, I mean, part of it is her age that she was, like, 20, and I think he was 30. And – their relationship was much more meaningful to her than seemingly it was to him. I mean, he hasn't written a 10-minute song about it that I know of. But it's kind of like that where it's like, yeah, ghosting, it's presumptuous to be after three dates, like, hey, I'm not feeling a connection. But if you're the person who's really into the other person, you're like, this is going great. And then you just never hear from them. You're like, oh, fuck. Yes. Like, I've had the experience of like, you know, like you go on two really great dates and you're like, I gotta go, I gotta go get a bikini wax. Like I'm going to, like, I'm sleeping with this guy. Like I am into him. And then you like never hear from him. And you were like, oh, I thought this was, I thought this was great. And apparently you did not. Yes. I had that happen like four or five years ago. There was this guy that I really liked and you know who I'm talking about. We went out only three times, but it was spread out over like six weeks because we were both so busy. So we were like texting and talking on the phone a bunch. Then he kind of just like slow faded me right before the holidays. And like, I called him out on it. I was like, Hey, what happened? And he was like, Oh, and he wrote something really thoughtful and was like, I think you're so amazing this and that, but like work is really crazy, blah, blah, blah. But then in my head, I was like, but he thinks I'm amazing. Like there's still a shot. (laughs) And like, he completely slow faded me. And 
it's 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 fine. Like I was very attached after just a handful, just three dates. And then he also worked out at my gym. So I had to see him at the oh, gym. Oh, now I know who you're talking about. So then I stopped going to the gym because I was like, I can't do this. Um, <laughs> so it was upsetting. And then he got engaged like a year later. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think he like really admi- like admired what I do professionally. Like he was really intrigued by the social media thing. So he always was like asking me questions about it. And now that I think about it, I think he j- he wasn't really into me, but he liked like my job and like the I helped him a lot and gave him a lot of tips for his job. And um yeah, so that was like a real that was a really sad one. I'm I'm really curious because this author um also wrote a memoir. And I can't remember the name of it, but it, it's it's been highly recommended to me. Um, it seems like she spent a good amount of time in the dating pool, or at least is like pulling from her friends' experiences. Because I thought the the little sections, just like the paragraphs about being on the dating apps, were so first of all, laugh out loud funny, but also I was like, oh yeah, you're so right. Like where she was talking about the different types of guys on the apps, and it was like the guy who like thinks having been to Vegas is a personality trait. Like the guys who like all of their interests have to do with pizza or like they all of pizza all of or the pizza. tiger profile pictures or, or the, like, like the, the work hard, play hard guy or like the burning man guy. And I was just like, I was laughing so hard when I was reading this because I was like, Oh my God, she is just like in the matter of a few paragraphs, just like described being on the apps. Yes. I think she's just so clever and funny. I, I like I really got a kick out of that part. You know what else I got a kick out of was the bachelorette party. Oh, the bachelorette party. I've never been in this situation where I've had to go to a not close friends bachelorette party that it's like you're friends with the the groom but you go to the bachelorette. It felt so real and I was like cringing because I was like, "Oh, this would be awful." But you're like yeah. obligated to be there. I felt triggered. I'd been to a few bachelorette parties where the bride is a close friend, but I don't really know her other friends as well. And then I'm kind of like the one like on the outside, like maybe knowing one or two people there and like getting swept into this because you know I don't like cheesy stuff, like like games and like (laughs) – I really sound super fun. I swear I'm fun, you guys. But (laughs) I just don't like most of that stuff. And I remember like – I haven't been to one of these in years, but in my early 20s, I went to a lot where I didn't really know a lot of other people there. And like there's always a franny. It's – there's always those like – I don't know. It just (laughs) – I felt triggered in that scene, but also I was like crying, laughing because I was like, this is so realistic. Yeah. Yeah. I also loved like the schadenfreude shelf where (laughs) Nina and Lola are like collecting people's sad stories to prove that like things could be worse. And I was like, this just feels so real of like the type of thing that you would have with a best friend. Like everything about this book, like the dating, uh, her thoughts on like, her friendships, like everything just felt so real to me. I completely agree. I thought that was really funny and something I could see myself totally doing. But like, look, we don't have it that bad. It could be way worse. Right. Like he could put prawns in your air conditioner. Yeah. Yes. I feel like Alex and I have ha- have actually done that, like a similar version with that back in New York when we were both single and dating. Oh, my God. Should we get a little more into the specifics? Should we talk about yes. – about Nina and Max, which is definitely, it's interesting because I thought it's definitely the central relationship of the book. Like the book is called Ghosts. It's about him ghosting her. 
potentially it was the relationship I cared the least about. Like I cared a lot about her family relationships and her relationships with her friends. And I was like, oh, you deserve better, Nina Dean. Like, don't be with this guy. I don't know. How did how did you feel about him before he ghosted her? So I related to this so much because I feel like you have that date and there's like red flags and things you're like, mm, I'm not sure I'm like that crazy about this element of their personality or whatever, but you get drunk and like, they're like physically attractive. Like she kept focusing on his build and like how big he was and like his floppy hair. And like, he sounded very, very cute, but I feel like I've been there where it's like, they're physically attractive. They're into me. I'm a little drunk. Like this is the, this is the best day Them liking you, them liking you is an instant aphrodisiac where you're like, oh, like maybe I do like him. Yes. And I feel that I felt like at the date I was cringing a little with thing. I don't remember exactly what, but I remember like he was smoking and they had to sit outside. And then there was like little things about his personality that he said. And I was like, this isn't that good of a date. And she's, but she's drunk and she's like, this is the best date ever. And I kind of almost felt like we were, I was there with her and I was like the sober friend. And I was like, no, this isn't a good date. Like this guy is not for you. But I was obviously just reading the book. I think it's also so ironic that he told her exactly who he was on the first date. And you know, like the saying, like when somebody tells you who they are, believe them, where he was like, yes, Alex used to yell at me that statement. She would drill it. She's like, these guys you're dating that are doing this to you, like they are telling you who they are with either their actions or their words on the first date. Like pay attention. They're not being yeah, charming. Like he, he tells her, he's like, he tells her about how restless he is, that he hates his job, mm-hmm. that he's like, also doesn't sound super dependable. Like he's an accountant and then he hates it and he quits and then travels until he runs out of money and then like goes back. Like it was like, oh, this guy told you who he was on your very first date and you just like chose yes. to be like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I I feel, I felt like this like duality of having been there and done it and known that mistake and also like felt an understanding why. It, yes. I had so much empathy for her. Yeah. There wasn't anything that he said or did that was that bad, but it was just like, oh. Yes. I don't know. Yes. I thought the most excruciating part of this book was the texts. There's like a chapter of texts where he's oh my ghosting God. her. Or he's like... I had to skim that. I was like, I'm getting upset. Giving her the... <laughs> I'm feeling triggered. Yeah, like giving her the gradual phase out. Like, oh my God. I... It was the saddest part of that of the book. I agree. I agree. It just... It also felt like that feeling, I get this feeling when I watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, like the secondhand embarrassment where at first she like doesn't know what's going on and she's like still texting and calling him and he's like being really aloof. And I was like, oh my God, I I feel so much secondhand anxiety for you. Yes. I completely agree. Wait, now how did you feel when he came back? Well, it was, I wasn't expecting it. I guess I don't know what I was expecting, but I was really interested. It like pace-wise... Not that I wasn't enjoying the first half of the book. I think he comes back around 60%. And like, but once he came back, I was like, what is going to happen? Because like the pages are getting, there's fewer and fewer. And you're like, they're still together. Are they going to end up together? I was just, I was having a really hard time figuring out what I wanted for these characters. Where it was like, she clearly shouldn't be with him. I was mad at her for getting back together with him. Like, I almost understand why she slept with him. Where it was like, 
she was angry. She was having a terrible day. And like, there were emotions were running high. And like, I kind of get it. But when she took him back, I was so angry at her. I was furious. I was so mad. And then, like you said, I understood why they why she slept with him, but I wanted her to like sleep with him and then like just ditch him in the morning and be like, This is this relationship feels complete to me. Like you did these yes. things. I am done. And I Yes, just, I wanted her to learn and be be like, no. Like yeah. you need to get your shit together. I was just like, have some where is your self-worth? Like where is your self of sense of self-respect? And I also can relate to it because I've been 32 and probably would have done something like that at age 32. But like, if someone treats you that way, you do not deserve that and you move on. Yeah. Yeah. I Furious. That is what I wanted. Like I wanted, and I guess you kind of got it when Nina went to Lola's ex-boyfriend's house and she like tells him off. But like, I just wanted her to be like, I'm too good for you. And for her to know that. Yes. Yeah. What did you, what did you, so that's kind of what you wanted. You wanted her to like just cut it off there and have this moment yeah. of like confrontation. Yeah. But then when they got together, I was like, how is this going to end? Like, what's going to happen? You know? Cause I was like, he's, he's bad for her. Yes. So I was then kind of just like waiting to find out how they broke up. And yeah. when he goes to her, I was like, well, that's kind of poetic, you know? Like, yeah. you did the exact same thing again. Yeah. They're always going to do that. I think there's so many books and movies and things in pop culture that I think are really bad for women that tell you that this guy is going to change or that, you know, the guy that's so undateable or the guy that ghosts you or breaks your heart a million times is going to come back and it can work and you will get married. Kind of like Carrie and Big on Sex and the City. There was this moment, I I wish I wrote it down. There was like something in the book about like nobody does better marketing than women where it was like women can take a guy who's like kind of out of shape and be like dad bod and like a guy who's like old and be like silver fox where it's like I feel like you're taught to like take these things and those are physical. I'm not saying I I don't want to judge anyone physically, but like you're just meant to like either fix the guy or like totally overlook any flaws. And I feel like women are so good at that. Yes, we're great at that. But I found the ending really refreshing in a way because it's like, yeah, this is a lesson. This is a lesson. This is what happens when you date a bad dude, they do it again and you get what was coming. And of course, no, it wasn't a happy ending, but that made me happier in, in its own right. And I felt like when we have the flash forward at the end and she is at the picnic with her family and, you know, she's made a lot of resolution with things like with the mom and stuff, which we'll, we'll get to that and with her friendships, I was like, this, this feels good and I think she's in a better place and she's ready maybe to meet the right guy. I just, I didn't like the ending I don't know what I wanted from the ending. Did I you probably want, like, wanted a, things a nice guy to come? No. I probably wanted things from the ending that were unrealistic, but, like, I wanted – and that would probably have been boring in a book, but, like, I wanted her to be more settled. Like, I wanted her – because she had such a hard year between her parents and her friendships and her job, and I just wanted her to, like, internally know that it was going to be all right and to like have more settledness and like contentedness with her own life, which I think was the point of what the picnic was trying to show. But like, yeah, that's what I got from it. Like they're not going to kill the dad or no, I don't know. I don't, I felt like it was as, as happy as it could be. Yeah. Like I I don't know if I wanted her to be like, (laughs) 
Did you want, I think you wanted, I think I know what you wanted. I think you wanted like some hot guy to show no. up at the picnic. No, and like, I didn't. She just sees him from afar and like maybe like. No, that would have been very unsatisfying. I almost want like. Maybe he loves her cookbooks. I almost want like a flash forward 50 years of like her counseling her like grandchild and being like, I thought that was the worst <laughs> year of my life and it was like totally fine. I Like I wanted more perspective <laughs> and I wanted to know that she ended up okay. You wanted a guy to show up at the picnic with flowers. No, it wasn't that kind of book. Like, do you I know, know I'm just younger, teasing you. In the last season of Younger where they kept trying to give Sutton Foster all these love interests. And I was like, I don't care about them. Where it's like at some point, yeah. even if she does meet the best guy in the world and they're meant to be together and it's perfect, it's like there's not enough book left for me to care about this or to like understand why he's perfect for you. So it would just feel too convenient. So like that's not the right answer. That's not yeah. what I wanted or expected to happen. I mean, I was hoping it would turn into a murder and that we just like kill Max off. Oh, wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I wow. was just trying to generalize our interests as much as possible. You with the romance and me with the murder. Yeah. Yeah. And I, maybe I read this on Goodreads somewhere, but it was like the ending was ambiguous because like love is ambiguous. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's not like you can't just tie it all up with a bow and like, have it all be perfect. I don't know. I loved the ending. I was I felt really good at the ending. I had to reread the ending like four times because it was like it was winding down and then like Lola tells her this story about a guy who like about people taking ayahuasca and then like a guy who like breaks up with his girlfriend and puts prawns on her air conditioning unit. And then there's like this story about the Midsummer's Night Dream, like the Shakespeare play. And like and then it's just like, and then it's like epilogue. And I was like, what just happened? And I had to like reread it three times to be like, what am I supposed to take away from this? Yeah, I don't know. That's so funny. And that's kind of like where I haven't processed my my thoughts fully. Oh, we haven't talked about this yet. I hated the neighbor plot line. Okay, I loved the first part of the neighbor plot line when she's hiding the packages. I was just crying. Like, she's just, she's just had such a bad year. And she's just like, I'm going to just do this really bad thing. <laughs> And then I was like, I don't want her to end up with a neighbor because at one point I thought that might be what it was like setting up for. I don't know. So like, I don't know what would have made me happy. I thought it was hilarious. I was laughing so hard at like, and then of course, like it was like, he's not a murderer. Like these are just for like, these are just for, sorry, what's the word? Making prosciutto. Making prosciutto. (laughs) Yes. I know. Can we talk about the friendships? I feel like. Yes. The friendships in this book. And maybe this is me projecting my own experiences. Like, those were the stories that I cared the most about. Yes. I thought the plot line of Nina and Catherine was really interesting. It was almost, you know, the book Olive that we both read? I didn't read it. I DNF'd it. Their friendship plot line was, like, what I wanted that book to be. Okay. I just thought it was, like, so real. I really liked how how it resolved. I liked everything about it. I don't know. Did you relate to this with any of your married friends with kids? Oh, so many. And I mean, like I've had a few that like could have gone the way of that big fight that they had, but it's more, it kind of is just more like the friendship kind of lost touch a little bit and like feeling like you're not a priority or like your drama is considered silly or frivolous because it's not like serious family drama stuff and like children. And I've related to a lot of it, both with friends that I'm still close with and friends I'm not as close with anymore. I almost read it as a cautionary tale almost. It's really interesting because 
one of my best friends has a baby and he's like one. Two of my other best friends are pregnant right now. But in my like close friend group, I would say it's very much 50-50 split of like people who do want to have kids and then or are having kids and then people who like do not want to have kids. And I just always think about I'm like, how is this going to like affect our relationships? Where like I only have one friend who has kids that are old enough that like that it could play into our friendship. And he's actually like a very chill parent and is like, it, it, this hasn't been the experience at all of our friendship. So I don't know. I just, but I, I loved reading about this, about their friendship and this plot line. Yes, I did too. It, I think it's just that kind of situation because my friend group is very similar to that. Like half of us probably don't want kids, half of us do. And, you know, I think about Natalie, for example, who just brings her kids everywhere mm-hmm. we go and it's just really chill. Like, and then the kids just are like, how are you doing, Miss Grace? Like, and, you know, we do things like we, we're, we're like, oh my God, it's been a bad week. Like, let's get a margarita, but we'll go to the arcade and like, we're like drinking margaritas and like, we're playing skee ball with the kids. So I feel like that's a parent that's done a really good job integrating kids and friends together. Whereas like a lot of the, I think that where it gets more problem, not problematic, but harder to stay in touch is when the friends with kids only want to hang out with friends with other kids. So it ends up feeling like you're just uh, like kind of othered in a way like, oh, it's like, I'm not like, you'll only hang out with me by yourself, for example. Like, and it's like, oh, I want to see you, but like, I, I don't know when I'll get a night to myself. It's like, no, just invite me to the thing with your kids or like, let's get a drink and like sit and have a glass of wine in the park while the kids play or something. Mm-hmm. And I think that the parents that can do that, I've stayed in better contact with than the parents that are like, they treat seeing me like it's like a special, like it's like their fun night out. And I love a fun night out, but also you have to be able to kind of blend if that makes any sense. Yeah, it totally does. And even taking the kids out of it, like I thought there was just a really interesting plot line or a really interesting question of like these long-term friendships where there's like grievances on both sides. And there was this one line that I did write down where it was like, how many elephants can one friendship handle? And I just, I thought that was really interesting about having really long-term friendships where, do you, do you follow Tinks now? I did. I unfollowed. (laughs) She was getting a little, like a little much. (laughs) I feel like some people love her and some people hate her. I definitely love her right now, but like I could I totally see the opposite point too. But she has all these like theories or whatever, and one of them is about like every friend has a toxic trait and you need to like accept it and move on or like not be friends with that person. And it's like it's true, but then like there's sometimes these like little things you're sitting on with like these long-term friends where it's like it, this isn't worth having a fight over. This isn't worth like bringing up, but like then they just kind of like accumulate over time. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was really poignant that, like, I, I kind of loved that her and Catherine, at the, when they were making up, had this conversation where they were like, we wouldn't be friends if we met today. Because, like, that's so true of so many long-term friendships of, like, we probably wouldn't be friends if we met today. But then they realize that they want to be friends anyway, that they just, like, there's so much shared history where it's like, if I made a new friend today, like, I couldn't catch them up on so much of what my friends that I've been friends with for so long already know about me. And, like, you just don't spend the same amount of quality time with friends as you did when you were, like, a child, a teen, in college, like, just out of college. Like, your life just gets more regimented where you, like, I feel like you just don't spend that same quality time with friends where it's, like, I just feel like there's an inherent closeness to friends you make earlier in your life that you can't replicate because you just don't have that much time to invest in terms of just, like, 
sitting around doing nothing, like, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. I It makes me a little bit sad because I'm really not that close to most of my friends from high school and college. Like, I have a few good friends from college left, but we all just went in such different directions, especially from high school. And I think about them all a lot. And, um, you know, we see each other on Facebook and say hi and stuff. And it's not like anything bad ever happened. But I don't know. It makes me a little bit sad. I think it could be true of your, like, your early 20s, too. It's just like, if I think about my social life, it's like, if I met a new friend today, somebody I really liked, we, like, we mutually clicked, we really hit it off. It's like we would have drinks at best, at best, every other week, you know? And it's like there's just so much more – there's so much less time that you invest in that friendship to, like, build up. If you think of it like the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours or whatever, yeah. it's like that accumulates so much more slowly than, like, when you're in your early 20s and you're like, we're going to go out every night. Like, we're going to go to brunch tomorrow. We're going to hang out for 36 hours straight. I think yes, but I would argue there that when I meet a new friend at this age, it's so special to me because to meet someone and connect, like most people, new people I meet, I'm like, oh, they're fine. Like, they're great. Like, I'll see them at a party and like give them a hug. But for example, I think of my friend Molly, who you've met, and Mm -hmm. she's someone who we just like immediately like hit it off. And if it feels so good at this age to meet someone that you didn't you haven't maybe known for that long and have so much in common as like fully formed adults kind of like yeah. almost like what you know now dating is it's so hard to um find that connection because you're a fully formed adult and you're not going to change how you how you are and things so when you make a new friend at this age i think it's it's really special and i think i i would say that it's like just as exciting as an older friendship too I think it is. I just think it's just rare. This is only speaking for myself. Like I just think you get something different out of those friendships. Yeah. I would say that too. Yeah. And like I think it is hard to build up that level of comfort and closeness with somebody that you meet later in your life is my experience. I don't think so. But I think that – I don't know. I think there's room for both. Yeah. Well, should we take a quick ad break before we talk more? Yes. Okay, so we're nearing the end of the year, and personally, I am thinking a ton about what my goals are for 2022, and maybe you also have some big Virgo energy, and you are too, and maybe you want to make some changes in your life, or maybe you have some big goals that you're trying to achieve, and maybe you need some help doing that. So you've been hearing us talk about BetterHelp all year, and maybe you've been wondering, is BetterHelp right for me? We think BetterHelp is an awesome service that's right for pretty much anyone, but specifically if you're looking to pinpoint or address anything that interferes with your happiness or prevents you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who may be able to help. They make it really, really easy too. So first of all, you'll fill out a simple online questionnaire that assesses your needs. Then they're going to ask you about your age, relationship status, past experience with therapy, and what you're looking to address. And then from there, they're going to match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 24 hours. Then you can choose how you want to interact with them. You can message them anytime, no scheduling needed, or you can have phone or video sessions, whatever works best for you. And something that we really love is it's not just one size fits all. They have counselors who are specialized in specific issues like stress, anxiety, relationships, parenting, addictions, eating, sleeping, trauma, family conflict, LGBT matters, self-esteem, and more. 
All told, they have over 20,000 licensed professional therapists. And what's great is that they're committed to facilitating great matches. So if your first therapist isn't a fit for any reason, they make it free and easy to switch if you need to. And anything you share is always confidential. Best of all, it's more affordable than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available. We want you to start living a happier life today. So as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash bad on paper. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash bad on paper. Can we talk about Lola? Yes. I love Lola. I loved Lola. One one thing that I do want to do is I want to take a second before we go into this to raise something that we didn't love about this book and Nina's character. And I'm actually, I'm embarrassed that I didn't even notice this when I first read it, but a listener wrote in to point it out to us and they did it in a really lovely and constructive way and um, pointed out that at one point, Nina in her narration mocks Lola for including she, her pronouns on her social media, despite being a cis woman who isn't at any risk of being misgendered. And the reader wrote in, and um, I'm just going to quote her. She said, I do worry that it unintentionally spreads some misinformation and implying that pronouns should just be shared by people who would otherwise be misgendered. I think the book does a disservice not only to its trans and non-binary readers, but also to well-intentioned allies who may be unsure about whether they can or should be sharing their own pronouns. And I I really valued this feedback and this person who wrote in, and I'm, again, I'm embarrassed that I didn't even catch it. Yeah, me too. It feels like a very weird thing. The The person who wrote in also recognized that the writer is not necessarily the character. And it's like, why would you include? I don't know why that was included. It felt like really unnecessary. Yeah, it does. I remember that now. I, com- I, I, I completely missed it, but it's weird. I don't know why she would include that. So I did just want to take a minute to point that out. Yeah. And, and talk about that, that you know, while we loved this book overall and it brought up some really interesting social issues, we did not love that about this book. Yes. And that it's important to normalize those things. Absolutely. I did love Lola's character, though. She just felt like she was, I feel like she's a very quintessential British character. Like a lot of British books have these like very zany best friend characters. So I loved that for her. But I also really loved for her how hopeful she was. Yes, I agree. I f- thought she was just so optimistic and and cheerful about it. I mean, I feel like I tried to be that way when I was dating. Like at one point in my life, I did make it almost like a full-time job. I was going on three or four dates a week and I was just like, I'm just going to meet as many people as I can and I'm just going to experience this and like do my best because I am a romantic and I want to meet someone. And so I related to that side of her. I would say I'm definitely less zany and definitely a lot, a lot less energetic. But um, And I admire her energy. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm just— No, she just felt like somebody who was so fun to read about, but I'm like, you would be exhausting as a friend. Yeah, I don't think we'd be, we'd be friends. I think she'd probably be an acquaintance of mine that I'd see like three or four times a year and like love every minute. And, like, I, I would want to have a, a really close mutual friend with her so I could hear secondhand about, like, everything going on with her. Yes, I think that weird the, – the pronouns thing aside, I'd probably want to be friends with Nina and I would want to hear about Lola's adventures. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I would want to, like 
I would want to be the Catherine in this scenario yes. where it's like you're friends with Nina and you get to hear about Lola and like invite her to your parties, but like you're not her go-to. Yeah. I think it's just a lot of energy. Yeah. But I just, I did think that, and I, the, the breakup she went through really killed me. And again, it's a, such a classic, I guess not, I don't want to say a trope, but like a pattern that I've noticed in watching friends go through this or even in my own personal relationships where the guy is like, falls really hard, is head over heels, moves the relationship along really fast. And then they're like, oh, oh, wait, like, let's, let's pump the brakes. And you're just like, you did this. Like I was, yes. I was taking it slow. I was happy to just like, you know, see where it goes. You did this. Yes. Yeah. This felt like the processing of this breakup was like some of the realest shit I've ever seen in a book where I can't remember if Nina said this or Lola said this, but it was like, they were kind of just like processing and they're like, was this a challenge? You like met a woman who has her life together and you wanted to see if you could make her fall in love with you. And then the game was finished and you could turn it off. And I was like, oh man. I have oh a- man. And the part also about, you know, I don't necessarily share this, but for both Nina and Lola, they wanted children. And where it's like age doesn't matter to men, they can like, they have the luxury to not be ready because like they can have a baby at 80, you know, like they don't need to worry about their clock ticking down. And so like, there's just a whole other set of luxuries that men have that like, especially if you're a woman who wants to have children, you don't necessarily have. Yeah. And I hate saying this because, but similar to how I have, you know, notice things in my own friendships. Like I have a Lola, I have a Catherine, et cetera. A lot of, not a lot. I would say some of my guy friends, I see these, these Max and Jethro behaviors in and I'm like, yes, I don't like this. Like I want to make them read the book and be like, look what you were doing to these women. Oh my God. Yes. This should be like required. I don't, I don't think that (laughs) they would probably enjoy it, but like Oh, yes, it should be required reading. Yes. And it was, oh, there was this one part where she was like, these men want to want something, but then they, like, don't want to have it, where it's like. Yeah. It's like they want to get it. They want to get it, and then they want to be done with it once they get it. They like the idea of you. Do you see what I did there? The idea of you. (laughs) Go read that (laughs) book if you haven't. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. 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 I... I really liked the Lola character, and I I liked that she was kind of like the butt of the joke, and she knew it, and she didn't care. Like she was just like, "I'm this is what I want," and I'm so she was so secure in what she wanted, and I really loved that. Yes, even though it like wasn't necessarily going great for her, and I loved the part of the end that I did like, and it almost could have ended here for me, and I think that would have been better for me. When at the end she offers to keep Nina's hope for her where, like, Nina's feeling really hopeless. And I think they – somebody earlier in the book had said, like, a marriage is, like, being the keeper of somebody's – it wasn't hope. It was something similar. And she's, like, maybe friendship is, like, keeping somebody's hope. And she's, like, I'll hold it for you until you're ready. And, like, that was the non-happy ending that I think I just could have loved. That could have worked as the ending. If it just ended right there. Yes. I would like that. I would like that ending. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just, like, such a beautiful and poignant – like friendship offer where it was like, I know that you are like hurting and downtrodden and melancholy because of your breakup. But like, I, I still have hope for you and like, I'll keep your hope alive. Like I loved that. Yes, I do too. I loved that. What about the family relationship? 
I like almost couldn't process this because it was just like so sad and real and intense. It was so sad. And I felt myself really irritated with the mom for a lot of it. And Mm -hmm. just being like, oh my gosh, she's so selfish. She's so, so this, she needs to like put her husband first and like help him. But at the same time, that ending where she just, you know, we find that like she didn't want it to be the end. Oh my God, that line grace. I cried and I felt so much more empathy for her when, when I heard that. I was like, oh my gosh, like, like, and I felt really wrong in my, um, I felt like I misjudged her and that I was like way too harsh. It was so sad. That was the other, when she was getting ghosted and then when her mom and her have this like heart to heart and her mom is like, he was my only boyfriend I've ever had. Like, I I can't remember how many years she'd been with him, but like, I've been with him for so long. She's like, I don't want it to be the end yet. And I was like, oh my God. Yes. (gasps) That killed me. It, it really like broke my heart. Yeah. And like also just the, the reality of having to deal with aging parents, like even for Nina from her side of like, how do you do this and like wanting to have control, but like not having it and like, Oh, I just, I, I almost, I really couldn't process this because it was just like so intense. It was so intense and just so, so hard, so hard to think about. And so, so well portrayed again, Mm -hmm. like every, all of the relationships and interactions in this book, while obviously I think the timing of everything and, you know, that's kind of real too, that sometimes everything all happens at once, but like things were sensationalized to make a plot, but I was like, oh, all of this just feels so real. Yes, I agree. I feel like I just keep repeating myself because it's like, uh huh. the only, <laughs> it, it was, it sounds like such a cop-out compliment, but I'm like, no, this book was, it, it's just so fantastically done. It's, I just thought it was such a, I you know I keep being like, it's so smart and clever. I feel like I should say something deeper, but I just think it was just it was such a heartfelt book, just all of the different relationships between the family and the friendships and, of course, the r- romantic relationship. It's it's a great book. Yeah, I highly recommend it. And I think that if you've been listening to this and you didn't read the book, I don't think that any of these spoilers that we told you would ruin it at all because it's so much about the little things. It's about the writing. It's about, like, the little observations in it that we couldn't even begin to cover. Yes, I agree. I, I'm, like, going to save this book to go back to as I revise my book because, like, just the, the specificity and, like, the little things in it were just so spot on to me. Yeah. Shall we transition into some end matter? Yes. Do you have an Instagram obsession? I do. I started following Martha Stewart on Instagram this month. Uh, Becca, you are so late to the party. I am late to this party. Uh, She's amazing. Her Instagram handle is Martha Stewart 48 And she has very chaotic, very chaotic energy on Instagram. Like, she seemingly clearly runs her own Instagram. And it, like, she's just, like, jet-setting on vacation, like, taking bad photos of things. It's, like, it's kind of, like, a more entertaining of Britney Spears' Instagram where, like, you don't have to be worried about Martha, but you're like, wow, this is really chaotic. Wait, do you follow Keith McNally on Instagram? No. He's another good chaotic person to follow. He posts like 10 times a day. I actually unfollowed because it was too much, but I check in. I like, I guess I lurk on his page sometimes <laughs> and like check out what he's doing. 
But I mean, Martha is like, it's like, she's just so rich and successful. She does not give a fuck. Yeah. And it's, it's really kind of fun to watch. It's so fun. And did you see the one with her and the Reese's peanut butter cups? No. Danielle Prescott, actually, it was like an ad for Reese's and T-Mobile. Danielle Prescott, I'm on her close friend's story, so I don't know that she intended this for everyone to to see, but she just wrote some, she she posted it and was like, it must be nice to just be Martha and so successful that you like hold up your Reese's peanut butter cups as your spawn cod and you're like, here you go. Like, <laughs> it was just, it, it's very funny. She just doesn't give a fuck. She's like this older, very wealthy person. And she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to just do what I want with this platform. And then also she like posts some like thirst traps. Like Martha is like whoever's doing her work. Like she she looks great. How old is she? I think she's like 80, 70 something. Yeah. She's definitely older. And I mean, yeah, she'll post like, I love, she had like a thirsty one in the pool once. And I was just like, go good for you, Martha. I know. I love it. Uh, Martha Stewart is she's 80. Yeah, I thought she was 80. She turned 80 this year. I thought so. Okay. But you never know. Like I I didn't want to like mix her and Jane Fonda up or something. Like they're both like hot 80-year-olds. But yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying it so far. I really recommend it. It's it's just great. I can, couldn't agree more. You don't have an Instagram session, do you? No, I'll just share in yours. Everyone should go follow Martha. <laughs> what is your what's your non-Instagram obsession? I can't even remember what I talked about last week, but um, I have a collaboration coming out with Chappie Rap in early January. We don't have a firm launch date yet. Oh, my blankets! Not to be dismissive of your blankets, and I'm I'm very excited. They they do look very fun. But in the outline, you wrote blankets, and I was like, I wonder what that I, is. I wrote it quickly as a note because my obsession was going to be my my outdoor chairs, and they didn't come, so it couldn't um. be them. I was so excited to like sit outside today on my laptop in my swivel chair and just like get work done, but that's not happening. You got swivel chairs for outside? Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. They're from um they're, they're from Restoration Hardware. You'll see you'll see them soon enough when they do come. I can't quite picture. Now I'm picturing an office chair. No, no, no. They're really low to the ground. If look at Restoration Hardware's outdoor furniture and you'll see what I mean. But I'll just wait till you get them yeah. and I'll see the picture that you post. They're beautiful. Okay. Wait, back to your blankets. I didn't mean to derail this. I just really was like, blankets? What's that? I wrote it quickly. I was having a very stressful day. <laughs> the, my blankets. So there's four of them. They're really bright colors with fun contrasting bindings and like a big, chunky, fat, bold stripe. And they're just great. I am so excited about this collaboration. I, I just love them. Like I genuinely just love these blankets. I feel like to me, they have very strong beach house vibes. Yeah. And you know, I like a beach house vibe. Yeah. Like, they look like the perfect blankets for, like, sitting outside at night after it gets cold or, like, having a picnic on it or, like, they just, they have very strong beach house vibes to me. They're also great for reading at home on, on under a blanket. They're just the coziest. And I, when I worked on the design for these, it was very much inspired by childhood memories from Cape Cod. So I think we accomplished that. I love that. Well, we'll have to tell people when they launch. Yes. Can we talk about books? Oh, I didn't tell you my yes. obsession. My obsession is my couch. Yes. Grace, it's huge. It's huge. So my old couch, because I, I know this because I had to, I sold my old couch on Facebook Marketplace last weekend, which actually was a much easier experience than I thought. Maybe because of like supply chain issues that more people are going on Facebook Marketplace. I got $500 for it. I was like, wow. That's great. I know. I just gave my old couches to my friends, I, I, but they were kind of scratched up. I said that I would... um 
I said that I would give it a weekend. And then if it didn't, I was just going to, I think the Salvation Army has pickup in New York City. So I was just yeah. going to do that. And I was like, oh, wow, no, it sold, it sold in less than 24 hours. But anyway, so my old couch was 80, 83 inches long, I think. And my new couch is 124 inches long. It is, first of all, it's so big. Like it feels like a suburban sized couch, which like to have yeah. most of our listeners, they're probably like, yeah, like you, you have a couch. Congratulations. But I'm like, this feels so decadent in my New York city apartment to have such a big couch. Oh, it's the best. It's also so comfortable. I love having the little chaise part and like being in the corner and like having it be my reading nook. Yes. It just makes me so happy. I think it's pretty similar to my couch. Mine's, um, it's way bigger like 120 than inches. It's deeper. Okay. Oh, it's deeper. Mm-hmm. But that chaise thing is like the best thing ever. Yeah. 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 Wait, can I tell you what I've been reading in my corner of the couch? Yes. I've had a really good reading sitch. Okay. So the first thing, I got an advanced copy of Erica Katz's new book. Erica Katz wrote The Boys Club, and her new book is called Fake. Mine Grace. came while, while I was away. I'm so oh, excited good. to I read was like, it. you need to get your hands on this. Yeah. Erica messaged me and was like, I'll get you a copy. So um, I it like, came. I posted like a very like over the top. It was not, it was how I felt comment on her Instagram and her editor uh, sent me a message. I was like, do you want a copy? And I was like, yes, please. Yeah. Um, okay. So I read it. Grace, you're going to love this book. Oh, it's got all my interests. It's like art and fraud. I can't wait. Yeah. It is. Nobody does the 1% like Erica Katz. Like she just gets into these worlds so well. Like I do not know what her research process must have been like for this, but it was so good. So it's about this woman who makes legal copies of paintings. So like, for instance, like really valuable masterworks of art, like maybe you want to keep it in a safe and display a fake version of it or like for museums that they have to send it out for cleanings. So she's like, does she copies artwork, but like for completely legal reasons. And then she kind of gets like sucked into like the dark underbelly of like forging art. And she gets like, she's working for this like older Russian billionaire guy. Oh my God, Grace was so good. It was great. Um, I also learned a lot from it where I was like, oh wow, the research for this was like very intense. Yes. Loved that. Comes out in February. Then I've been trying to do my Christmas reading so that I can recommend Christmas books to people, even though it feels a little premature for me. So I read my second Christmas book this year, and the first one didn't go so well, so this one was much better. So I read So This Is Christmas by Tracy Andreen, and she, I don't know if this is her first book, she writes Hallmark movies, and I was like, okay, and it's a YA Christmas book. It's about this girl who goes to an elite boarding school She's kind of unpopular there, and she's from a town called Christmas, Oklahoma, and uh, she has doctored the town's website to make it look more impressive than it is to, like, impress her friends at school. One of her classmates comes and brings his aunt, uh, and he's British, to, like, have a traditional American Christmas in this, like, town devoted to Christmas, and then he gets there, and it obviously sucks. So, like... She's trying to, like, save face and, like, take him on Christmas adventures. It was very cute. If you like YA, if you like Christmas books, I really enjoyed this. And then last night, Grace, I did a thing. So I started State of Terror by Hillary Clinton and Louise Penny. 
at around six o'clock. I have this. I can't wait. Okay. If it had been a weekend night, I would have read it all in one sitting. I stayed up till 1.40 in the morning reading it. It's a thick book. Oh, my God. Um, and then I woke yeah. up this morning at 8.45 a.m. and then finished it. It was oh my gosh, a page turner. Here's what I'll say about it. So first of all, I got 8 million people on Instagram being like, have you read the Inspector Gamache books? I haven't. I don't think cozy mysteries are my vibe. Political thrillers, though, are my vibe. This felt very much like a girl power version of Jack Ryan. Um, or like Homeland. Like it's like a political thriller. Oh. Very page turny, kind of fucked up. Also, there's like um there's like a, a Trump character in it. I was like, it was I feel like it must have been very cathartic for Hillary Clinton to have written this. Yes. And it was like very insidery. Like she's been the Secretary of State. It's about a Secretary of State. It was great. It was such a page turner. Were there problems with it? Yes, absolutely. Like they would be like, we're getting on a plane. We're going to Pakistan. We're there. And it's like, I don't think this timeline feels right. Like, I think things are happening. I don't think that, I think there's some timeline errors here. So yeah, it was like not flawless, but it was great. It was entertaining. That's on my list. That and fake are very high up on my list. I think you'll, I feel like I'm, I think you'll like both of them. I'm not in a huge reading state because, like, right now I'm, like, working, going to, like, a work event and then going home and working. But as of um, – I'm taking the week off between Christmas and New Year's, and I'm going to be, like, reading a book a day when that happens. I think you'll like both of these. They're both also, like, very easy reads that, like, nothing yeah. about them is, like, slow or – nothing feels take your – eat your vegetables about them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm reading an amazing book that I started on the plane and – read almost the whole book in one sitting on the plane ride from Atlanta to LA. I've been seeing this and you know that I'm a serial nonfiction abandoner, but you have me really strongly contemplating reading this. You, you'd like this. It's a fast read. Like, and I would have read the, um, the last chapter, but then I had to work on the second flight. Like I kind of like took some time to, I'm like, I've been stressed. I'm just going to read a, a book on the um on the way out and then the way back I was like fuck I took three days off of work like I need to just work on the plane but the book is so good there's um, it deals with real like dangerous wait did you say the name oh it's called cultish by Amanda Montel and so it deals with and the reason I read this was actually from our best books of the year episode where a reader recommended it and I was like oh my god I would this sounds like my perfect book. I ordered it like as we were, as I was listening to the podcast, but, um, it deals with like real cults, like dangerous cults, um, maybe less dangerous cults, but like still questionable, like say, um, Scientology. Then it deals with MLMs and like, I always knew MLMs were bad, but I think I understand a little bit more now, like exactly why they're bad. It like really spells that out. Cult fitness. Like I was going to say there's like group fitness stuff in it, right? There's a lot of group fitness stuff in there, which is awesome. I mean, she differentiates the, you know, Heaven's Gate and Soul Cycle are clearly not the same thing, mm-hmm. but it's it's really interesting and well researched. And I just started last night, but I fell asleep. The um, social media guru chapter, which is interesting in its own right, and um, I probably have like thirty pages left, but it's the fastest I've ever read a nonfiction book. It's so interesting. It's just 
I mean, I just love anything about cults and like deception. So I've been really interested in like in this. Like, fine, Grace, I'll add it to my cart. It's great. It's great. I can't recommend it enough. So yeah, that's that's all I have for you. I again, I haven't been reading as much, but I at least I have one really quality recommendation. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, disappointing news for all of our listeners. I can't. I can't remember if we've said this yet. We're going to take the second half of December off again this year. So we don't have a December book club pick. So we'll finish out the year with, um, I'm going to interview Grace next week with listener questions. So watch out for a question box. And then um, we're going to do a holiday episode and that's going to round out our content for the year. So no book club in December, but um, hopefully you like one of the, I feel like we just gave a few good book recs. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we've got for you today. If you'd like more of us or you want to talk about ghosts, come to the Facebook group. Just search Bad on Paper on Facebook. We also are on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And my blog is thestripe.com. All right. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.